Hi, and welcome to the Middling Along podcast. My guest today is Henny Flynn, wellbeing and change coach, who started her own business after 30 years working in the corporate world. Hi, Henny, and thank you for joining me on the Middling Along podcast. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Your journey from the corporate world into setting up your own business had a rather dramatic inception point just over four years ago. Could you describe to us what happened and what prompted that huge period of change in your life? Mm, it's, um, it's, it's a really interesting place to begin because it was such an enormous moment of change for me. Essentially, I became very ill. That's that's the, the crux of the story. Um, I was dealing with a very stressful job, which I loved, but which gradually became more and more stressful um, because of a, a number of changes that, that happened around it. And actually, it's interesting because a lot of those changes were things that were outside of my control, which I now know with the work I do, that that is one of the things that, that causes stress. Um, and alongside it, I was dealing with grief. My mother had died mm -hmm. and um, I was using work to bury all of that. And I ended up, it was 2016, and I ended up having pneumonia three times in the year. And the third bout nearly nearly was, uh, yes, my last experience of anything. Um, I ended up with sepsis and I also had another uh, virus that was trying to shut down all of my internal organs. Yes, I ended up in an isolation suite. and um, But at the same time as uh, having, you know, genuinely a life-threatening illness, I was still there with my work phone trying to explain still trying to keep going why I wasn't in a meeting <laughs> so so it kind of shows you Emma that you know things have gone a little bit out of control basically um and it took me a while to to work out that actually what I really needed was some time and I needed to take a break and I have to say my employer uh was pretty amazing around it when I, I eventually said about six months later look I've just got to take a break um, and I took three months off and then during that time whole series of fortunate events came into place and one of them was uh, I ended up on a on a yoga retreat in Ibiza like you do and had a conversation with someone sitting on a beach, which led to me retraining. And here I am doing what I do now. Fantastic. And uh, so one of the um, strands of what you do is, is running the positive menopause. When did you decide that you wanted to, to do work specifically in that area for support and coaching for the menopause? It Again, it was one of those things, it was a kind of dawning realisation because I I suddenly noticed that I'd probably been practising, uh, sort of, you know, doing the work for about two, two or three years at that point. And I realised that a really high percentage of my clients were women 
and they were women at a certain life stage. And I started to think of myself almost like the menopause whisperer. I'd have like, <laughs> these, like these wonderful women coming, you know, coaching. I was uh, working mostly as an executive coach then. Um, so, you know, very kind of corporate environment. And at some point during, you know, our, our first sort of two or three conversations, I'd just get this flag going up for me and um, would you know, raise whether or not menopause was, you know, was something that was influencing where they were at. And through that, I realised that it is an area which certainly then and, and even now, you know, wasn't getting enough attention. And and so it became really clear to me that also this this time of menopause, this time of, of midlife is is such a natural period of change, you know, not only biologically mm. and, you know, sort of physiologically, but also in the things that women want from their life, uh, our experience uh, within our society, our experience within our family unit. We come into this age where perhaps um, children are starting to leave home and and parents are aging. So, so we come into this like the sandwich age, you know, uh, with different yep. <laughs> differing responsibilities might resonate um and you know and it just became really evident that it was a, a useful space where I could work and also use my own experience yeah. you have a podcast of your own and you talked on there recently about the importance of self-compassion do you think that's something that is often missing for women specifically, where we're very good at offering compassion to other people, but perhaps not so much to ourselves. Mm. I think I think it's a really, really interesting point. And although I would say I think men are also find it equally difficult. Actually, um, I think for women, a big part of the challenge can be that we grow up with a story of being the good daughter, the good student the good you know the good friend the good partner yeah, the, the good people mother. pleaser exactly <laughs> exactly and and so we sort of carry all of this and we and we carry it into um into everything that we do and and often that can mean that we end up like you say we're we're caring for everybody else and not necessarily caring for ourselves and and compassion fundamentally is about how we care and how does self-compassion differ, if at all, from self-care? I, I think self-compassion and self-awareness are the twin wings of self-care, actually. Mm-hmm. Because with, with a compassionate approach to how we gain that deeper awareness of ourselves, we develop more love and affection for who we are. And that then means that we're more able to identify and also serve the needs that we have through the care that we apply to ourselves, you know. And it's also this thing that when we care for ourselves, when we um, have that self-compassion, we're also far more able to be compassionate toward others. So it's actually a beautiful, virtuous circle you know, so often we, we sort of think about self-care, you know, we, this is a story that we often learn, you know, self-care is self-indulgent or it's selfish. Yeah. And... Bubble bath, chocolate. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also it's like that there's a, there's a real depth 
to self-care as well. Like self-care is the the language that we use when we refer to ourselves. Self-care is thinking mm-hmm. about what really nourishes us in terms of the work that we do and and uh, and the people that we spend time with. It's it's it encompasses. It's got to be a three hundred and sixty degree thing. Exactly, <laughs> it really does. Yeah. So much of your focus is on supporting women through all kinds of change around the menopause. What particular elements of working in organisational and people change in your previous roles do you call upon, draw upon when you're working with individuals in this context? I, because you sort of flagged to me what a couple of these questions uh, might be that we cover. And this was one that I thought, oh God, that's a really good question. What am I drawing on? And I think one of the, one of my reflections on this is that so through my work I was leading multi-million pound brand change programs essentially Mm. so implementation of new brand strategies and on a number of occasions they were for organizations that had been through a number of acquisitions and so the people who I was trying to get on board with the change were people who might have sold their businesses with their heads but they hadn't necessarily sold with their hearts so there was huge resistance to be honest right yeah and and actually that has served me really well as a coach because it's this ability to see where the resistance lies within us about the changes even if we like you know in our head we might be saying yes 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 I really need to make that change in my life but somewhere else in our body there is resistance to it and and so actually it's about just as in those brand change programs I'd have to you know get on get these people on board and work with them and really understand what it was that they were resisting and not not just get angry with them. <laughs> well, occasionally, might have done. Um, but you know, to actually understand that that this is a very natural human response to change, we resist it. So I th- felt that that's. I'm sure that's had a, a huge bearing. And I think the other thing as well is that prior to doing the brand work, I I was an HR director, and you know, so this recognition that we all change at different rates, and we all learn and develop you know, different things influence us. We all learn in different ways. And, and so, so it's, it's always, it's, it's hard to kind of bear that in mind when you think, oh, come on, catch up. Why are you not kind of where I am? Oh, yeah, same stage as me. It's like, well, not everyone else is treading the same path, dealing with the same kind of extenuating circumstances. It's, it's so easy to to forget all of that. Yeah, it's so true. And and also to it's that thing about having the respect for for each other's, you know, sort of progress. So, you know, working as a coach, one of the things that I remember from when I first did my training was a kind of sense of frustration of like, well, why 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 haven't you why can't you see it? Why can't you see the thing it's that so I obvious. It's so <laughs> obvious. And and again, this is really where compassion comes in as well, is um, you know, just really understanding and accepting that we are all human beings and we all need to to find our own path and find our own way through things. And actually with the change work that I did corporately, that was also true. People had to find their own way through. They'll take as long as they take. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, 
sending out an email is not how you implement a change program. <laughs> Just as telling yourself, I must go running is not how you implement, you know, getting... Sadly. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> Try and hypnotise myself. I think... I really think, enjoy it. <laughs> I think the other thing as well is that there's, there's also something about... When I was an HR director, I was thinking we used to get people to change desks in the office a lot. We at the time we only had I don't know a hundred or so employees. I was working for for a much smaller business, but we used to get people to move desks. It was kind of early hot desking, I suppose, and it was I we did it because I had this really strong sense that if we get used to small changes, it makes it much easier when the business goes through bigger changes. And and although that specific technique in the office may not have always been like 100% effective, actually the principle of it stands. So when we make like little incremental adjustments in our life, it's actually how we break habits that can have been ingrained for, for years and years and years. And, and it's how we get ourselves used to making changes so so that too was a uh, a learning so I'm very grateful for the question <laughs> obviously at the moment we're, we're living through uh, a very unsettling time um, which has the potential to really compound feelings of a bit lost uneasy not knowing how to refind our, our true selves what advice would you offer to anyone feeling like they just don't know where to start unraveling complex feelings that they might be having right now talk to someone would be my first invitation really would be to find someone that you trust that you can talk to whether that's whether that's a a professional a a coach or a counselor or or a therapist you know whatever sort of route feels right or it's a friend but with one little caveat around beware of the friend who tries to fix you. And it's always done with love, but just be clear if you, you know, if you do sort of choose someone to go and talk to and they're not a trained professional, that it can be really helpful to lay out some some kind of boundaries or, or some ground rules and just say, look, that I'd really like you to listen to me. I don't, I'm not looking for answers. I'm just looking for someone who I can talk to who's just going to say, I, I hear you. It can be as simple as that. So um, and be clear about what kind of support you'd actually like um, can be really helpful. And I think the other thing as well, oh gosh, I mean, my brain's suddenly gone like, boom, 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 like a hundred <laughs> things I could say, but I'll stick with two. The first one is write. So if, you know, if writing is something or draw can can be the same thing. So uh, getting it down onto paper in some way, and it doesn't matter whether you feel you're, so any inverted commas, good at writing or good at drawing, just expressing what's going on in your head can be really powerful. And for me, journaling has been an incredibly useful tool right the way from when I started making I mean the changes I've made in my life have been absolutely gigantic there there is no part of my life which has not been changed since 
nearly dying five years ago. Um, do, do you ever look back on some of that journaling and kind of marvel? Well, <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it's really interesting. Actually, there's a lot of wisdom in there. A lot of wisdom. I'm really, I feel very tender towards the woman that I was. That there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of doubt. There are a lot of self-limiting beliefs. But it's also, it's really lovely to see that inner voice come through. And I think that is kind of what happens when we journal, actually, is our, our, inner, our inner voice comes in. And the same with, you know, just drawing, just draw how you feel. You know, nobody so else. I think ever very easy to, to feel self conscious about that if we're not used to doing it, to kind of build up those muscles of expressing what's. But just remember that no one else is going to see it. You know, you can draw on a whiteboard and wipe it clean if that feels, you know, some, I know people who journal on a whiteboard. Really? Just wipe right. it clean. Yeah. Tomorrow is another day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, you know, because it's all about what's going on for you in the moment. And then the other thing I would say would be to do some form of kind of mindful breathing Mm. or, you know, or even, you know, sign up, you know, get an app like Insight Timer is the one that I use. But things like Headspace, you know, there are so many amazing uh, tools out there to practice more mindful being. Yeah. And that's definitely a useful route yeah, big headspace fans here in this house. So, to, speaking of uh, of writing, uh, tell us a little bit about the the two books that you've written, and, and you've very kindly agreed to share a poem from one of them. Ah, oh, well, so the first, it's interesting actually that the thing about writing, my darling girl, is is the first book which I which was published in. December last year so it's only it's only she's only a couple of months old <laughs> the baby she's just a baby she's gone out into the world and she began and she is a she I mean like <laughs> that's yes she has an identity um she began with a piece of journaling piece of writing where I wrote a a letter to myself from my future self and and it just it was like I put the pen on the piece of paper and literally the words fell out of the pen I was it was (laughs) I was gonna say it was like channeling which makes me sound completely um, (laughs) anyway but actually but it really was it just like the words just just like fell out Mm. and um and I found it really useful I found it a a really cathartic process and I've used that same technique and and it began my darling girl and over the next couple of years I wrote these love letters to myself at times when things were really really tough and the messages that you know that I took from them were really supportive for me and I in a really tentative and very nervous way shared them with people you know with friends and I was encouraged to share them more widely and I did that and it made me feel sick honestly Emma it was like it was like like you know sending your child yeah yeah it was just like oh my goodness but I also saw that as a bit of an experiment of bravery and Mm. you know just well you know surrender and letting go and all of that and um until September last year I realized 
sort of I kind of pulled them all together in August and I just thought oh my god actually there's loads of them and then on the back of a random conversation ended up finding a publisher and um, they wanted to publish and so she's here she's in the world and and that's been really wonderful and then uh, and I've just had my second book commissioned by the publisher as well uh, which is fantastic quite different Congratulations. Um, Thank you very much. (laughs) You're the first person I've told. (laughs) I feel deeply honoured. And it's it's all about change. It's about how we make and manage change. And it's inspired by, uh, I I run a series of retreats, um, five retreats and and I've run them for the last couple of years that and they go in a flow and it's the it's inspired by by those and what I've sort of experienced with working with people through those so fantastic yeah. I look forward to reading both of them <laughs> <laughs> and are you still happy to to share I am. the um, excerpts from your first book <laughs> I am I am I was thinking well we can either go with the first one that I wrote um, you can do too. You're allowed. Well, you, well, you know, we don't bore <laughs> people. Um, but I can go with the first one, um, and it's it's the last one in the book, which felt right when I was uh, putting it all together. And it, uh, I suppose, it'll also sort of give you a sense of where I was at when I wrote it. It's actually, I mean, it's incredibly quite emotive. Well, it's and it's very positive as well. But it was at the time I was feeling quite lost. So it was kind of like when I finished it, I was like, oh gosh, wow, okay. <laughs> so let's I'll I'll read it and you can see how it resonates. So my darling girl, look at all you have achieved, all the adventures, the challenges, the grand mistakes, the effortless successes the tears and triumphs, the loves, the friendships, the never quite connecteds, the mountains climbed, rivers swam and forests you've flown over. Look at all the things that have brought you to this place and remember that all those resources reside within you. They are you. So this fresh future that opens up before you is one you can enter into with a glad heart and spring in your step because you have a pocket full of everything you need to greet it. Take heart, dear girl, and remember what joy there is in stepping to the edge of the water and diving in. And remember what joy there is in breaking back through the surface and breathing deeply, lungs full and limbs strong, powerful, present and perfect in every one of your imperfections. We are all, all the people we have ever been, and we hold their lessons within us, each one like a flower ready to be picked when the time is right. See that garden you hold within and know it grows just for you, the life force to your own growth. Go, be, do. Brilliant. Thank you. I love that pocket full of everything you need. It's such a great line. Thank you. Thanks so much. So thinking back over the, the these sort of few years of striking out on your own, setting up a business, what advice, if any, would you offer your past self as you were striking out? Is there anything with a, with a little hindsight you might have done differently? I think, I feel 
I know, trust myself is the answer. If I, so part of this process, part of my own sort of journey has been learning how to listen to my inner voice. And, and that's, that's part of the writing as well. It's like learning how to access that and hear it. And so attached to that is learning to trust it. So in those times, for example, when, you know, money worries uh, sort of spark and you start you start getting, you know, sort of performance driver things about, mm. you know, I actually call it my, my worry squirrel and he kind of lives <laughs> in my shoulder. And every now and again, he, he rushes around and gathers a few more and secretes them. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? <laughs> and, you know, when he gets agitated and, uh, you know, is off looking for some more things to worry about, you know, that's the moment of oh, just come back in, trust myself um, and, you know, be really, really clear I think, yeah, my my message to myself would be be really clear about what you're doing and the purpose that sits within it and around mm-hmm. it. And I think the other thing as well is notice where there are like systemic patterns that might be pulling you into old behaviours, and just just take a breath before you before you follow them. You know, it might be the right path, mm-hmm. or it might be something that's just drawing you because that's what you're so used to so trust and listen they would be my two words what has been the high point for you what have you discovered about yourself since starting your own business well that I can do this that that's the big one I think through this process I and through the process of of setting up the business and uh, you know and working for myself has been identifying how many limiting beliefs I held actually you know and I think that's one of the reasons why I often work with clients around their limiting beliefs because I'm I'm so familiar with the sensation of having this stuff getting in our way mm-hmm. and very often we can't actually see it so we rationalize it we put something out we say it's like for some external reason but actually really sort of becoming friends with all of my limiting beliefs and and then doing the work to allow them to just gently dissolve they don't they don't always go completely but as long as we know that they're there then we can notice when they're sparking up again and it's really interesting you know because if i if i look at my career my corporate career on a piece of paper i'd say gosh that all looks very impressive <laughs> sat on boards multi-million pound campaigns, blah, blah, blah. And I still had a question mark over whether I was able to run a business myself. I never doubted that I could do the work as a coach. I never doubted, never doubted my ability around that because that's been so purpose-led and so kind of like, this is like what I'm meant to be doing. But the stuff around actually running the business, that for many reasons um was more challenging and so yeah that's been really good to see myself moving on from that and what are your ambitions either for the business or personally if you want for the next 12 months um oh well this second book to get the heart of change uh published so hopefully 
certainly by September and maybe before that uh, would be amazing because I really feel like it's a, a useful tool for people. Secondly is is I feel like the business has really sort of come, like it's interesting, isn't it? So there's me and then there's the business. And I feel like the business is starting to come into her stride now. Like she started to, she knows what she's doing. Everything's got a, everything's she for me. Um, And, um, but it's also recognizing that freedom and variety are really important to me. So it's about building building a sustainable way of working and that's that feels incredibly important over the next 12 months um so you have a bit of space yeah too. yes so I like I and I'm learning that because uh, as you may be able to tell from my previous story I, I have a slight uh, addiction to work that I need <laughs> to I, you know very seriously I need to you know be careful with and um so that's that's quite interesting. I'm sort of I'm I'm enjoying seeing how that works. How I and then personally, if we were able, which who knows, <laughs> we were thinking about a very long drive. We have a van who I love and um, going somewhere like Greece, but like for months. <laughs> I'm talking about and actually and work and work along yeah, the way on the road yeah the digital nomad exactly that's me <laughs> at 51 sounds amazing <laughs> so you know unless we can actually do that <laughs> we'll see one day one day we will we'll get there what's the best piece of business in inverted commas advice that you've uh, received and who was it from I think the best bit actually is to be aware of what you're projecting into the business. So, and it came from my own coach. So I have a coach. I have a mm-hmm. coach who I uh, work with. If we have limiting beliefs, which many of us do. So if you ha- hold a belief that, oh, I don't think someone's going to call me back and that's going on in your head, you'll be projecting that into the conversation that you have with the other person. And so it's about again that sort of trust and listen thing but it's about really believing in yourself in a very grounded very real tangible measured way and from there see how your own behavior may be inadvertently influencing your business in a way that's not ultimately beneficial for you and your clients so that sort of deep self-awareness actually in in a business owner business leader I mean I you know I was a leader and um and have worked with many leaders and business owners and everything about your organization stems from the person who who began it so be really clear about who you are and I think possibly the last question, because we could talk for hours, I'm sure. But can you nominate a woman or, or more than one if you feel inclined that you think uh, we should interview on the Middling Along podcast? I can, I can. And it's Debbie Pugh of Sunbeam Consultants. I think it's Sunbeam Consultants or Sunbeam Consultancy. So she is an amazing change expert from from a from a, again from a corporate background mm-hmm. she's just transitioned into creating her own business and she is a really inspiring woman and a beautiful human being and i think you'd really enjoy talking with her 
Great. I'll look forward to it, hopefully. So, Henny, before we finish, if anyone wants to follow up and find a bit more about what you do, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, so the the sort of easiest place is probably regroup.co.uk. So R-E-E-G-R-O-U-P.co.uk. Or you can find me on Instagram as Henny underscore Flynn. And also the positive menopause, of course. Uh, so there's a uh, there's a group. We have a private group on Facebook, which is for all women who are experiencing menopause in whatever way. So whether at the very, very, very earliest inklings of it, or all the way through to the to the far side. So I'm postmenopausal, and there are several, many women in the group who are. But it's really about a place of support and knowledge and sharing so there are a number of number of ways but to work with me one-to-one or to to come to the retreats or anything like that come to regroup and you'll find me and um, I'll, I'll be sure to uh, put some links to your book as well oh, on the blog wonderful People can thank find you so that way. and thank I look forward you. to reading them at some point this year oh. I still have a few more on my bedside table to get through <laughs> Oh, Henny, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on the podcast. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for your thought-provoking questions. You've been listening to the Middling Along podcast. Do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live. And why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well. I do hope you enjoyed listening today. If you did... I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now.